0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, Head of Communications at Steeple, back in the saddle this week. Joined, as always, by Brian Gardner, our Chief Washington Policy Strategist. Brian, how are you holding up? You still awake? Um, I'm still awake. Neil, welcome back. We missed you last week. Thank you. Well, it was one of our highest rated podcast episodes to date, so I'll try not to take it personally.
1: (laughs) Now, Jake was excellent, and uh, he did a great job uh, teeing
0: that up. It was uh, it was a great way to kind of preview uh, the midterms. Jake was great, and why don't we get right into it? Speaking of the midterms, because we're recording this sort of in the the day after election day, and while we still don't know, I guess the final outcome of how the midterms are going to shake out, it is still have some a runoff, in, I guess in Georgia that we could talk about, and there's still some voting in, in the some of the West Coast races, but. I think, Brian, you'll agree. One thing that's clear is that the Republicans um, did underperform expectations that that wave, that red wave that we were talking about on this podcast and a lot of others were talking about. I guess that wave turned into more like a little ripple. Um, So what do you think happened? Well, first, I'm a little surprised. I thought by talking about last night, you wanted to talk about the Islanders-Rangers game.
1: Um, uh, the Islanders uh, coming from behind to to beat the Rangers at the Garden. So I'm I'm very pumped up about that. That's been fueling me the whole day.
0: You were really um, watching what, that. You were watching that over the returns, or I, I I can multitask. Got it. Okay. Um. So um. No, what happened with the elections? Um.
1: I I I think what happened was that voters um are angry and expressed anger and frustration over inflation and the state of the economy but they weren't ready to give the keys to republicans i think there's a skepticism about republicans because republicans a lot of republicans were not running on issues that voters see is relevant to them in their daily lives um There's a lot of uh, there were a lot of Republicans uh, connected to the populist wing of the party who are running on past grievances and not talking as much about their policy proposals. What would they do if they got elected to Congress to make your life better, to make the economy better, to get inflation under control? There wasn't enough of that. And I I think voters expressed some frustration by not electing more Republicans last night.
0: Well it's it's interesting because you know when you were I don't know about you but when I was watching some of the coverage and I was first looking at the exit poll results it did shape up based on the responses in the exit polling, like it would be that big Republican wave. Inflation was the number one issue that people mentioned. Most people said the Republican party was better equipped to handle inflation, Biden's approval ratings, well under 50%. So I think Chris Christie on one of the stations said, you know, candidates matter. And Absolute. in this case, a lot of the candidates were underwhelming. Yes. Um.
1: So especially on the Senate side, um, mm-hmm. There were some key Senate races where there were a couple of Republican retirements, incumbents retired. um, uh, So that created some open seats that those are always more challenging to hold uh, than when an incumbent runs. And then um, uh, former President Trump recruited a number of candidates for some of these key races, both the open races and to challenge Democratic incumbents. And a lot of these candidates are first-time candidates who had never run for office before, yeah. and to run statewide in your as your first campaign yeah. is not easy. And um, a number of these candidates had flaws and were not up to the job. Uh, they they ran poor campaigns, and it showed last night.
0: Well, we'll talk about Trump, I think, in a little bit. But I mean, Herschel Walker is an example of someone who was probably the closest. Uh, I guess Walker and Oz were two of the ones that were closest tied to, uh, to Trump and we know Oz lost, and I guess Walker's headed for a runoff and we can talk about that. But but sticking with the overall results, um, again, final th- the final outcome will come in the next couple of days, but it's it's obvious that we're headed for a divided government to some degree. So does that mean, Brian, that this is going to be gridlock until until the next for the next two years at least?
1: Yes. And so, you know, my, my, my forecast was off. Um, you know, I, I expected that Republicans would flip the Senate and gain more House seats than they did. But the result is still the outcome and what it means for policy in the markets. I still I think is pretty much what I had expected, which is gridlock. Re- Republicans will probably win the House. They they um, It's going to be by a much narrower margin which by itself reinforces gridlock because it'll be tough to, to manage and, and uh, control the House, govern the House. Um, and then the Senate will be f- probably 50-50. We don't know that yet, um, but it, it indications are that's where it's heading based on the, the outstanding races. And then it's 50-50. We're right back where we started. Another 50-50 Senate with two key Democrats, Senators Sinema from Arizona and Senator Manchin from West Virginia. Um, who will block the Democratic agenda on any, excuse me, any given issue. So, uh, um, yeah, I I, I think there is
0: a a level of of gridlock going forward. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, one thing that people have been talking about is the regulatory agenda. But you all along, even on this podcast, said the regular regulatory agenda wasn't um, sort of a slave to how these election results turned out. And I think you still would agree with that in the, in an old way of thinking um because the
1: senate has a role in confirming nominations um by by definition they have a role in governing who runs the agencies that's the old playbook um there there are perfectly legal ways to to appoint heads of agencies the trump administration used it the biden administration would use it if if it was a uh, republican senate and so there are ways around those those constructs. And in my opinion, the, the regulatory agenda was going to maybe be slowed a little bit, but not materially altered. So I, I was always kind of skeptical on, mm-hmm. on the impact of, on the Senate races and the regulatory agenda.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned gridlock, and that's what we're going to get. That also brings up we, we're going to soon have a lame duck session of Congress, so given everything that you've said so far is there i mean should we expect anything to get done in that lame deck in that lame duck session yeah
1: so I, you know i i think in the lame duck and for next year it it will be a challenge to get legislation passed but congress will attend to and and finish must pass pieces of legislation stuff that keeps the lights on the the bills that Um, are are laws that are due to expire and need to be reauthorized. So a farm bill in in, uh, next year. Um, To your direct question on the lame duck session, we've got a spending bill where the government's operating under a temporary spending bill. Either that will be reauthorized, another temporary bill, or a full year spending bill that gets us to the end of September 23. Um, The debt ceiling probably gets punted into into next year and that the next congress deal with it um there's the national defense authorization act the ndaa which is an annual defense policy bill and that can be a vehicle for unrelated matters the safe banking act on banking the cannabis industry um uh the Durban bill which is related to credit card payments um you know, I think, say, just background, I think SAFE has a good chance of passing. I'm skeptical on the chances of Durbin passing. But, th- you know, those are items that are going to be on the agenda. And and the NDAA will probably pass in some form or another. And then finally, um, a, an annual tax bill, which is referred to as the tax extender's bill. It's just a series of one-year provisions in the tax code that have to be reauthorized on an annual basis and that can be a way of of passing other tax items like um, research and development tax credits, um, the uh, limits on how the business interest deduction is calculated. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's, it's going to be a whirlwind, especially when we get to December, a couple of weeks where lawmakers are just jamming things through before they head home for the holidays. So it's going to be a busy couple of weeks and, and lawmakers will get some things done.
0: OK, well, that's that's helpful. <laughs> um all right now let's get to the the sexy question which is like the second the voting stopped was the second that the 2024 presidential election cycle started and you know we talked we, we mentioned him before but look trump's name was not on any ballot last night but clearly there was this was somewhat of a referendum on him and his aspirations for the next uh presidential race um and then the biggest winner of the night in more ways than one may, may have been uh the Florida governor, DeSantis, uh, possibly Trump's biggest uh you know competition for the nomination. Um, so how do you think, given all this, the dynamics have changed or have the dynamics changed uh for 2024 in your mind?
1: Yeah, so I think the dynamics actually started changing before last night. Um, because if you go back to the weekend. Um, there was uh, an announcement, didn't get a lot of attention, but Republican Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas um, uh, indicated that he will not run in 24. And he was on most people's list of potential candidates. Certainly he was on mine. Um, And Cotton is, you know, very attractive to various branches of the Republican Party, various factions of the Republican Party. And him not running, I I thought, Audit, from that point, started um, helping DeSantis because I think DeSantis can beat Trump in a narrow field. Yeah, they if they don't
0: want on one, one on Trumpers. one, Trumpers.
1: Yeah, um, because in a divided field, Donald Trump will always have the thirty to thirty-five percent of of the Republican uh, voting base. And in a divided field, in primaries that are mostly winner take all or or get yes. most of the vast majority. You know, you you win 30 to 35 percent, you're gonna win a host mm-hmm. of Republican primaries, and you're gonna turn around in April and May of twenty twenty-four, and there's Donald Trump as the nominee again. Well, Cotton stepping aside is indicating that the field is probably going to be narrower than it looked like. Um, so that helped DeSantis before last night. Now, getting into last night, DeSantis had a huge night. I mean, you know, when we talk about Democrats outperforming their expectations, so did DeSantis. Yeah. DeSantis was the favored going in. There's no doubt about that. But I think most people thought he would win by low double digits. Fifteen would it would be a really good night for him. He won by almost twenty, and he totally changed. The voting calculus in the state of Florida. You know, I this, this is a state where statewide races typically are decided by less than three points. He won by half a percentage point four years ago. He won by twenty. Every demographic group, every uh, geographic region of the state, um, just yeah. very, very impressive. And where you know he um, he positions himself as. As a competent governor, someone who gets things done and governs his state in a competent way and aims to improve people's lives, whereas some of the Trump candidates, similar to the former president, a lot of it is running on grievances. Yeah, and stolen. And i I'm not. I don't mean to dismiss the validity of of these views. I mean, people are entitled to right. uh, to um, to prioritize the way they want to. But at the end of the day, most voters, including those swing voters that Republicans must attract, either persuadable Democrats or independents, they're not interested or less interested, maybe is the better word, in those issues. And, and DeSantis just cleaned up with that voting block. I mean, he he showed Republican voters a way forward that you don't just win in the electoral college and lose the popular vote, he suggested that you could win major majorities and have a governing coalition
0: going forward. Yeah, I, 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 one analyst I saw quoted said something along the lines of, if Trump's going to run again, it has to be more than just a revenge tour, right? It can't be all about that. Right. The um, you so, said. you know, he,
1: he, he may still announce next week. I suspect yeah. he will. He's been indicating that, uh, the 15th he will yep. he's going to have an event at mar-a-lago um but um i i think the i think the way are we invited to
0: that by the way <laughs> you know
1: i think mine's lost in the mail probably okay. um the, the mail's been a little slow around here um i, he I do hear i he i well other, other than the the tropical storm i, I do hear that the east coast yeah. of florida is kind of nice at this time of year um yeah. but um No, I I think I think there are a lot of frustrated Republican voters last night with the underperformance. And I think they're going to look around and say, you know, what what branch of the Republican Party was successful and what what which group can be successful in the future and lead to Republican wins. And I think DeSantis is when said, look over here at me, I'm the
0: guy. Do you think and you and I, I don't think have really talked about this before. Um, and it's way early because we've got a ton of time until 2024. But do you think there's any chance at all that you could end up with some sort of Trump DeSantis ticket for Republicans or are they just, you know, too too divided? Uh, to, I mean, we've seen that before. There have been tough campaigns with like Bush and Reagan and, um, you know, where the, the number two ends up getting that vice presidential nod as, as after a hard fought campaign very early, but do you think there's any possibility that would happen? And would that kind of satisfy both uh, camps within the, the Republican party? The, the,
1: very low probability. Yeah. Um, I, you know, if, if I can kind of do a mind meld with Ron DeSantis and kind of figure out what he's thinking um, and I'll probably get myself into some trouble just trying to do this, but um. I think, when, I think for a youngish Republican, because he's only in his 40s, with the prospect of a long career still ahead of him, and you step back and look at the way that former Vice President Pence was treated, um, especially in the wake of January 6th, um, I think there's a lot of reluctance. I think there would be reluctance by somebody like a Ron DeSantis or somebody with, uh, with a bright future. Um, to to run is the number two.
0: Makes sense. Um, any other takeaways you think from from the midterms that we should talk about that we haven't? Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about twenty four. We got to talk about the other side too, um, yep. the Democratic side. And, and I'm uh, assuming that this is we talked about a rough night for Trump, a good night for a great night for DeSantis. I guess maybe Biden is somewhere between the two. Oh,
1: he had, I I think President Biden had a very good night last night. Mm-hmm. I think they I think Democrats, even though they're going to lose the House. Um, They did so in such a narrow uh, by such a narrow margin, they they feel somewhat vindicated. I mean, their strategies panned out um, in terms of uh, trying to actually help nominate uh, what they would view as weak Republican candidates. Um, So that so uh, strategically it panned out for them. And I think in early indications are that Biden feels like, you know, he can go for another term. Um and so I, I was I, I kind of entered the night thinking that um as did as Trump went, so went Biden. If Trump looks strong, Biden would would probably stick in there on on the view in Biden's mind that he's the only Democrat that can beat Trump. And that if Trump kind of fell by the wayside or lagged, that, that would um that could hurt uh Biden's prospects. And he may decide to to forego running. Um I don't feel as strongly about that as as I did before last night. So I, I think um, I think Biden is reassessing and
0: probably more committed to running again than than he would have been. Interesting. All right. Well, Brian, we're going to let you get some rest. I know it was a long night for you. Um, we're just so everyone knows, we're kind of recording this podcast um, afternoon on Wednesday. So we may get more. Is that what day it is? <laughs> yeah, it's one it's one long day. Um, but Brian, I appreciate um, you you hopping on to to do sort of a special election recap edition of the podcast. So thank you. Thank you, Neil. Get some rest. Yeah. And uh, that that's all the time we have for this edition of the podcast. Thanks to everyone for listening. and we'll talk with everybody again soon.